0: Hello everyone. I am Claudio Murgan, the host of the Spiritual Inspire podcast, and my guest today is Sue Frederick. Sue is a channel clairvoyant, claircognizant, and clairaudient who receives wisdom from guides and departed loved ones to help you heal grief and find your purpose. With her powerful intuition, she uses sacred numerology and mystical information to facilitate access into a divine lens to heal your life. Sue has been a guest on hundreds of radio shows and TV interviews, featured in major magazines and newspapers, and is the author of more than 11 books. After suffering a tragic loss, Sue became a sacred numerology practitioner since 1981. She brings a deeply enlightened perspective to using numbers as navigational tools for deciphering the soul's journey and connecting to departed loved ones. Sue has helped thousands of people realign with their soul's purpose and connect to departed loved ones in therapeutic conversations. Sue, thank you very much for uh, joining me today.
1: It's such an honor to be here with you. Your your soul is so sensitive and intuitive, and you're a writer just like me, so I feel very much in sync with you.
0: (laughs) Thank you, and I'm sure we are going to have a wonderful discussion. And I would like to start uh, with one of your books. I mean, the uh, title is quite intriguing uh, to me, Water Oak. It is a memoir, if I'm correct. And uh, what's behind the title and how does it tie into your uh, spiritual path?
1: It's so interesting that you would pick that book to talk about because you're a writer. And that is my book where I really channeled in my life story through the the spiritual lens. And it's the book I'm proudest of as far as writing goes, because it's not nonfiction. I mean, it's not um, traditional self-help fiction. I mean, nonfiction like the rest of my books are self-help, but this one was pure divine inspiration memoir. And it is about growing up very sensitive and intuitive in the deep South and there was this one place in my childhood where I felt very sacred and very safe, and that was at this beach house called Long in Long Beach, Mississippi, where generations of family had owned it, and we all came together as extended family there. And at the front of the yard was this towering, beautiful water oak tree, and I would spend hours in that, climbing up that tree, nestled in that tree. And contemplating life and looking out at the Gulf of Mexico. And I felt so um wisdom connected to spirit when I was in that tree. And then when I was 17 years old, about to go off to college, it was 1969, and the only good part really about my childhood that I loved was my time there in Long Beach. And Uh, In 1969, Hurricane Camille hit the Mississippi, Louisiana coast, and it flattened Long Beach just the way Katrina did many years later. So we lost our home and everything. And that marked my awakening to the transient nature of the physical world Um, and also the intuitive connection to land that people can have as i went off to college then and people would ask me about my life the only thing i could talk about was losing long beach and i couldn't explain it well but it represented everything good about childhood and um what i've learned especially through water oak writing of the book and looking back at my life is that that tree was one of my greatest teachers because when the storm came, what was left in our front yard was the trunk of the tree and some of the branches were cut off by the huge wall of water that had washed through the land, but it was still there. And when I was able to ever go back and it was destroyed again in Katrina and still the trunk was lifting up its arms and I always felt it was offering protection and love and support. And, and I would go and lean into that tree and smell it. And it was such a huge connection. So that's the name of the book. And then I looked at my whole life story through the spiritual lens of what was I learning? What did I agree to? And so much of my pain of childhood was about learning to connect to the invisible realms, the divine realms, rather than just being focused on the physical world.
0: Yeah. So it looks like that tree has deep, deep roots and uh, maybe not even the third wave, if there'll be a third wave, will uh, uproot him, uproot it. Yes. (laughs) Yes. So I assume that you haven't found any other... Um, such or similar wonderful tree to to get attached to uh, sentimentally?
1: Well, I lived in Colorado for many, many years. And, um, you know, I've loved gardens and plants and farms and the land and everything. But I've never been able to have that one tree like the water oak tree. (laughs) And now I live in Arizona. So the trees are very different here. But that water oak tree, I have to tell you, I still dream about Long Beach probably once every few weeks. I'm back in Long Beach. The homes are still there. All my relatives are there. We're flying through the rooms together. We're talking. Half of my relatives are on the other side now, but they all come. We meet in Long Beach. And that glorious tree is always there and it's perfect in those dreams. So I know that in spirit, that tree lives on.
0: Yes, wonderful. And now being in Arizona, you have the rocks, which are totally different (laughs) spirit and uh, you know, you have to approach them differently.
1: But the cactus here, I don't know if you've ever been to Arizona, but the saguaro cactus, they are sacred beings. They have their arms up here like the ancient water oak tree did. I can look out my window and there are gorgeous saguaro cactus, huge, many, many feet tall with their arms lifting up to heaven the same way that my tree did. So I love these saguaros. I feel right at home here.
0: (laughs) Yes, in fact, I was planning to come to Sedona this month, maybe towards the end of this month, is not panning out yet. (laughs) <laughs> but I let the, the universe make the plans and maybe sometime in, in July, we'll see. But I really want to, to come to Sedona this uh, year. At the end of June, it would have been much better because uh, I could have tied it into other events. But yeah. uh, the next week, in fact, I'm going to uh, have another interview, another guest from Sedona, Rahelio. So he's Mm -hmm. a tour guide there, he's uh, an indigenous person, and I'm sure we'll have another interesting conversation. But (laughs) going back to you, you are, I think, uh, close to launch uh, another book through the Divine Lens. What inspired you this time?
1: Well, um, as a writer, you must understand I'm always compelled to Mm. write. Whatever I'm learning, I feel like I have to turn around and write about it. In fact, writing is kind of the way I process life and understand the world. Um, So in 2015, if you can see this vision behind me, um, I had been out in the world doing my work and I was had already published. There were many books out being had, that I had written and published. And I was helping grieving people connect to their departed loved ones and doing big grief workshops where I helped every attendee connect through spirit to have a conversation with their departed. And I love the work so much and I still do it. But I came home really exhausted and from the long travel to the retreat center and everything. And I came home exhausted and I got sick, got a really high fever. And I have always had very easy and quick out-of-body experiences. And especially if I'm ever sick, I'm it's like my soul just goes, you know, it's like, hey, we can get out of here. Let's lift up and travel in the divine. And so certainly I had this high fever, this was 2015, and I went into that um, state of traveling outside of my body, and the guides and the angels were holding me above the earth. As you can see in this picture, I was kind of out in space with them holding me, and they were showing me planet earth, and it was showing up with all these dots of light shining up from the earth. And they were huge. If you can see in this picture, my husband recreated this graphic to explain it. But the light from each soul on earth was shooting way beyond the earth. And it was sparking all these other lights around the world to stand up and shine the light of love around the world. And so in my vision, the guides were holding me, showing me this. And they said, do you see that there is constantly light winning. The light is constantly sparking another light and another light to fill all the dark crevices that are on the earth. And so the wind, the light and the love is always winning. And I was loved it. I loved it. But they were very adamant. And they were saying, so you have to go on with your work talking about how we've got to see this light we have to understand this vision and not get lost in the painful things that happen on earth and they even told me you know there will be some very difficult challenging years coming up on earth and um and they made me like promise that i would be one of the people teaching about light and love no matter what happened and then i came back into my body and woke up and tried to talk about this vision, but it was so deep and profound, I couldn't find words for it. So I started writing. (laughs) And that writing became, first, I did a self-published version of this book, trying to get it right. And I wasn't quite happy with that I really captured it. And so now I was so blessed about two years ago, a publisher came along and said, we want to republish and update that book. And And so now I got to add into it all kinds of new processes and realizations that have come over the last couple of years, and also many of the transcripts of my clients who I guide through these past lifetime soul regression journeys. So now it feels very full and complete, helping people understand that there's two ways we look at this world. One is through our divine lens, where we see the light and the love connecting everyone and everybody, and the other is our human lens or our ego lens that tends to focus on everything that's wrong here and all the problems that we have. And we have to learn how to have one foot in each of those worlds as we walk through our human journeys.
0: Yes, and I'm glad that you mentioned um, light and love because this is what I keep repeating myself um, or to myself when uh, I am in a dark spot and can be at any day for, you know, three, four minutes or 10 minutes. And when I feel that um, feeling, all I have to do is repeat. Uh, I stay in light and love and yes. that will pass. I mean, that moment yes. will pass. And I am back into my real self, um, filled with love for for everyone and everything. And I think that's a lesson Um, a lot of us um, should um, apply and and practice on a daily basis.
1: And I also think people have to forgive themselves for not always being in that place of light and love. You know, when we agree to incarnate here in the human realm on Earth, it's like we are jumping into the densest, heaviest energy. And in the divine realms, it's not like this at all. It is completely love, unconditional love and uh, realizations and learning and connection. And here it is dense and heavy. And we're trying to push consciousness into this layer of density here on earth. But it means that it's not there yet. (laughs) And so if we're human, We are going to have hard days here we're going to have days where we're sad or we're depressed or we're anxious or we're angry but the minute we can remember you know what i have to ask to be lifted above this heavy dense energy and reclaim my feeling and awareness that i am a divine being surrounded by love came here on purpose and that everything is unfolding as it should the minute we lift up for that higher perspective we are lifted out of the heavy energy and shown wisdom and love and and shown the next step shown the way forward
0: yes and my challenge to to my viewers is to stop for a moment and uh, sincerely think at uh, the love feeling with an open heart and their body will vibrate I'm pretty much guaranteeing that they will get that buzzing.
1: An open heart is the most important thing. Mm. You know, I'm always teaching classes on how to live with a courageous heart. And I'm always amazed that so many people live here on earth all in their head. And they think that's the way we have to be here and that we shouldn't be having feelings. We shouldn't be feeling our feelings. And That is the the ticket to an unhappy life right there. (laughs) And instead, the more we open our hearts and let the heart lead us, and that can mean tapping into our divinity, tapping into our intuition, trusting what feels right to us. Now we are living this courageous, open-hearted life that's going to lead us in the right direction and to help us fulfill our soul purpose here.
0: Yes, and and Sue, you mentioned uh, 2015 when you had this uh, experience. So my uh, physical curious side is asking: uh, Are we there yet in those heavy uh, event, heavy years and uh, difficult years, or we still have a, a long way to go?
1: Well, we are definitely in them, but I do have a they're not over yet. (laughs) And so we have, you know, we have to walk this journey with courage. And we have to walk it remembering that the light and the love is winning no matter what and no matter how it looks. And that can be difficult, you know, even in during the times of COVID. So many people were isolated and alone and struggling and sick. And to find the light and the love in all of that, that was our mission and it still is so many people went to fear and hatred and conspiracy and all this negative stuff but those of us who could just say i'm walking this journey with love and i'm i'm going to stay open and stay loving and stay trusting then we are guided forward we're the light carriers And this journey is not over yet. (laughs) There's still stuff happening. But I do believe, Claudio, that we will make it through this. The light is winning, of course, and love always wins.
0: Yes, I'm very confident on that. Thank you for reinforcing that uh, belief and thought. Or that knowing, in fact, that knowing. Uh, I mentioned in my introduction about uh, you using uh, sacred numerology in your work. How exactly do you do that?
1: Well, I, my big wake-up call, you could say, was 1979. I was a mountaineering instructor for Colorado Outward Bound, and I was married to this gorgeous, mountain-climbing, beautiful man who I adored. <laughs> he loved me so well, and I loved him. And um, he had a few stomach pains, and there was no such thing as a colonoscopy back then. <laughs> and by the time he was dead, diagnosed. Um, the doctors gave him two weeks to live that he had colon cancer, but we turned that around and he had a year because we went to see every kind of healer from conventional to alternative. We went to Native American healers, everything, nutrition, as well as the conventional. But it the lesson of it was that this is a brief journey in the physical, And that the hardest lesson is letting go and surrendering to what needs to happen if it's not what our monkey mind or our ego wants to happen. And so that lesson was laid on me at the age of 29 when I held my beautiful husband in my arms as his soul slipped away into the divine. But the good news is he took me with him. He showed me everything about those realms. He communicated with me so vividly, so many visions, so many conversations, signs like you wouldn't believe to show me that he was fine and that I was in the tough part, the the school. <laughs> and in the midst of my grief, as I was trying to figure out, okay. I know that Paul is good because he's shown to me how well he's doing. He gave me an apartment to live in through a dream he gave me, and I found that apartment the next day. I mean, he was giving me so much. I knew he was fine, but like many grievers, I needed to know why am I still here? So I know where he is and I know that's amazing in those realms, but why do I have to be on earth? Why am I still here? And also my other question was why do good people suffer? I mean, why does anybody suffer here? Why is there so much suffering? And you know, all religious traditions try to answer that. And I had grown up Catholic where we were taught, you know, suffering is good for you. (laughs) It's going to burn up, you know, your sins and everything. But what I had learned is that I I could no longer look at that traditional religion because it did not resonate as true. I knew there was not a God in the sky punishing people and rewarding them. I just knew that. And so I had a friend come over and give me a numerology reading And in one hour, she showed me my sole mission that I came to accomplish, Paul's, what our agreement was, where I was in my reinvention points, and what I was still here to do. And that hour with her changed my life in every way. It was all the answers that I was looking for. And I became obsessed with the numbers then and trying to learn everything about them. And and so that was 1980. And as I've evolved and grown and also studied so many different sacred spiritual paths, I've put them together so that I meditate on a person's path, on their numerology, and I download guidance for them and I write it and then I share that with them at the beginning of a session but the numbers, after all these decades, really are an intuitive gateway for me of connecting to that soul and helping them understand why they're still here what they've come to do like um you gave me your birth date so i'm i love it that you're the scorpio 11 highly intuitive highly sensitive meant to heal the world and it's such a profound sensitivity that one of your challenges here was to find your ability to be on the earth with all of that intuition and sensitivity rocking your world. And so I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad you're a writer. I'm so glad you're successful at your podcast. That's the journey of a master soul because you're a master soul 11.
0: I had the chance to leave two years ago and I decided not to just because I pointed back to what I said earlier, love and light. And that pulled me back,
1: so that was a possible exit point for your soul. Yes. do you believe that you came back because there was still work you wanted to have get done here?
0: Yes, and the main but the main purpose, if I can interject to that, but um, which pulled me back was my responsibilities to my family, and the fact that. <laughs> They might hate me for the rest of their lives (laughs) for leaving them behind uh, in a foreign country.
1: Did you say this was two years ago?
0: uh, Yes, 2021.
1: perfect because you were in a nine personal year that year, an ending of a cycle. I love helping people understand we have these nine-year reinvention cycles. And whenever we hit a nine-year, so much of our life is up for review. And we're saying, okay, what have I learned? where am I going to go on the next cycle? What am I taking with me? All of that good stuff of surrender at the end of a nine year. And it's so funny, your soul actually was going, hey, maybe we don't have to be here in the physical world anymore. <laughs> and, your, and your soul went, oh, no, yes, we do have to be here in the physical world. And, and you came back. And what's so cool is Um, When I hit that vision that I showed you for 2015, the next nine year I had after that, my beautiful husband, Gene, was diagnosed with very aggressive cancer, and we had to sell our Colorado home and move to Arizona so he could be at Mayo, and he's doing great but it was an ending. I didn't get to cross over or even consider it because I had to move and pack and get a new house and take care of Jean, but it was such an ending of our old life. And that's what happens in these nine years. I'm so glad you and I stayed.
0: <laughs> Thank you, yes, I'm glad too, because there's still a lot of uh, experiences to, to go through and feel and you know, see your uh, children um grown grown up and growing up and uh, you know established i think that's a, um a satisfaction we we have to have definitely yes <clears throat> and um uh talking about um, um if i allow if you allow me to provide or to give you an idea for the book you are still in contact with paul maybe you can write a book uh, together based on his experiences over there and how you see them from this angle. Because one of my guests from Sedona, Rainey Hiley, had this understanding with her mother before she passed, that, mom, you're going to have to come back and you have to answer all my questions. And she did. And she recently um, published a book about their conversation from the other side.
1: Well, that would certainly be a great um, thing because Paul has been really inspired All of my books, but it's never been a book where it's just about what he has to tell me, you know, so I would love to do that. (laughs) But you know, in dreams and visions and out of body experiences, he's come back with so much wisdom for me. And you know, there was this one experience where I was teaching another grief workshop and a lot of the people there were telling me that their loved ones had suffered, had died from cancer. Even we had some parents whose beautiful children had died from childhood cancer, which we all know is the most painful thing that a mom or a dad can go through with their child. And so all of their questions were, you know, why is there suffering? And as I was trying to help them connect to their departeds to get those answers, um, Paul came through and, and he lifted up his shirt and showed me this translucent white skin because he had had surgeries when he was in his body and his abdomen was scarred up with three different surgeries. And as he lifted up his shirt in this vision, it was perfect translucent undamaged skin. And he said, the soul never suffers. There is no suffering in the divine. The moment those children or anyone lifts out of the body and they all lift out before the final breath, once they are out, they are completely free, happy, no suffering, completely Um, free of any kind of pain. And yet we carry around our memories of their suffering and that they don't like that. They don't want to see us remembering that sort of thing. And so Paul was like, you have to tell those people in those workshops that they're lovers are not in those moments of pain and they should not keep talking about them and thinking about them because they they do not exist anymore and the divine is glorious and pain free and so hopefully anybody listening who's lost a loved one to suffering can really find comfort in that yes and
0: i can i can relate to that and on top of us being relieved that they are not suffering anymore somehow we blame them that also at the same time we blame them that they left us by ourselves we are alone now and in so much pain and so much grief so again we put the cause on the causation to someone else that they departed right. instead of you know pulling ourselves up understanding where we stand and cleaning up our energies and moving forward
1: yes. Well, you know, that's the greatest gift Paul gave me, is that his messages to me were so strong about the fact that I needed to be here, and I needed to be productive, and I had books to write, and I had spiritual paths to study, and I did. I lived in ashrams. I became a unity minister. I've spent so many decades studying every religion and studying spirituality, because Paul said, we agreed to this together for different reasons. But the fact that you're still there is because you have to be a teacher of these higher ideas. And so when we're grieving, once we can get through all that terrible guilt and anger and blame, and it's our choice to get through it. It's our choice to look at it through the divine lens. Once we lift into that view, ah, we can find our purpose. We can find what we're here to do now and how we're here to use our pain as fuel helping others.
0: Yes. And because you just mentioned the session with clients, uh, would you be able to uh, share with us uh, some powerful sessions uh, while you're exploring past lives and getting guidance from their um, spirit guides?
1: Well, my favorite clients are, um, well, actually my favorite clients are grieving moms and grieving dads because their children come through with such clarity and such wisdom. And the way I do it is I make a date with the spirit. I'm not, I don't work the way traditional mediums do. So, so I get their numerology, the numerology of the mom and dad, the numerology of the departed child. And then I look at their paths and I meditate on it. And then I talk to that child before the session begins. And I say, okay, tell me your story and tell me why you left early. Tell me something that lets your parents know that it's really you and I start writing, and they have these incredible, funny, you know, even sarcastic messages for their parents to show that it's really them. And, you know, they'll say things like, Mom, I can't believe you're wearing those horrible sweat clothes everywhere, you know, and they'll just they'll talk in the way their child would have talked to them. And they're trying to show their parents that, you know, they're taking that form for their parents to recognize. But they are eternal beings, and they're totally fine, and they're happy, and they're learning things, and they're helping humanity from the divine. And the parents hear this, and then I even take them on a meditation where they go and sit in the divine realms in a meeting place where they meet their... They can even lean their head and hug them and feel them and kiss them. And every parent has a very strong experience of this and ask them those questions. Why did you go? Was there anything I could have done, done differently? Children, give them the best answers, you know. I'm like no, this was a, an agreed upon exit point. There was nothing you could have done. You did nothing wrong, and they get to hear it themselves, which is so good. And then we come back into the body, and I get to do that almost every day with clients. It is the greatest blessing of my life.
0: And because you are so accustomed to talking to to souls from with the, those from the other side, is there a guideline for when they're gonna? come back when they're going to reincarnate or for how long are oh, they staying in that state of no, soul? so what i've
1: heard from them <laughs> is that every soul makes that decision for themselves it's not some sort of endless reincarnation cycle that we have no control over it's not how it works so the minute we leave the body we do our soul review where we see what our lifetime was really about and how we influenced and affected others on earth with love or fear or hatred or compassion we really see the ripple effect of everything we did on earth and from that place of deep understanding Our soul studies more with more higher teachers there. And then our soul may decide, hey, I'm going to help from here. I'm going to stay in the divine and help from here because I can lift people up to a higher consciousness from these divine realms. And so they stay to work. But there may be a place or a time where they decide, you know what, humanity needs a lot of help and I'm willing to jump back in and reincarnate And try to hold on to the light and remember everything is about love while I'm down there in the physical. And so our soul will then choose to jump back in. But I've learned that the more the older and wiser the soul is, the more lifetimes they've had the more they take a lot of time in the divine processing, helping others. Paul has a job there and he's shown me that he helps people process their lives when they cross over and he loves his job. <laughs> and he he just told me so much that it was like the job he'd always wanted on earth and now he's got it, you know, that he gets to help people process their lives with love when they cross And I remember waking up from that going, my gosh, I want that job. (laughs) You know, what do I have to do to graduate and, and get to have that as my job? So that's what I've learned.
0: So if Paul decides to reincarnate, will he let you know when and where?
1: Well, time and space is happening all at once. As the quantum physicists teach us, it's not linear. So when our human minds try to say, oh, yes, well, in the future, I'll meet you here and there. That's just not how it works. If there you know, if time and space is really happening all at once, the way the quantum physicists know that it is, it means that even if Paul has already incarnated somewhere, it doesn't matter because when I reach out to him or he reaches out to me, he can still be present with me. We're still connected through this lifetime. We can't get our minds around how time works. It's not linear.
0: (laughs) Yes. And in fact, I wanted to reach this point because that means an imprint of soul will always stay there even if another imprint of his soul decides to reincarnate yeah okay that's that's interesting
1: and, and you know what's interesting is that one of the things that messed me up with my grief early on when paul crossed over is that boulder i lived in boulder colorado and boulder is a buddhist community and i had hindu teachers and buddhist teachers And one of the first things they said to me was, you shouldn't try to connect to him. You shouldn't try to call on him because he's got to move up to the highest realms and then he's going to reincarnate. And, you know, here was Paul showing up constantly telling me all this stuff. And I didn't know if that was okay. Like I was worried maybe, you know, he needs to move on. And that is a wrong, untrue message. Because if your beloved is showing up and giving you guidance, then that's where they're supposed to be. And of course, they may have also incarnated. It's none of our business. All we know is that their soul is also coming to help us and enlighten us. And we have to trust that.
0: Yes. And you mentioned uh, intuition. So do we all have a flawless intuition guidance system we can trust?
1: Yes, we do. But boy, that monkey mind talks us out of it. Don't you think? I mean, every day people go, oh, I really had this feeling I should have done such and such, but it didn't seem logical or practical. And so I had to listen to my logic mind and do something different. And I'm here to tell you when you get that gut feeling or when you feel that a certain path is right for you, even if it's illogical, you've got to go in that direction because our intuition is a flawless guidance system. And there are times when we have to take a risk, when we have to reinvent our career overnight and walk away from financial security if it is fully in alignment with our soul's work and our gut is telling us it's what we need to do.
0: Yes, and sometimes are just small hints or small things which will, in the end will add up. And I'll give you a very trivial example. Just before this interview, I said, I have to go to the door and check if certain packages have arrived. I mean, I was told that they will arrive you know, sometime late or tomorrow, I would walk to the door and here they were. So I had to pull them in. And then start the interview. But it was, again, just the intuition, a hint that something has changed in that space.
1: That it it goes against the Mm. logic, yes. And people have so much trouble with that because our culture worships the left brain logic mind. You know, that's when we're growing up and we're thinking Mm. about career, everybody says, oh, you've got to get that practical career, even if you hate it, but then you'll have financial security Well, I wrote a whole book about that called I See Your Dream Job, and it is not true. We are all here to follow our true work and make it successful financially, and it may not be at all the logical left-brain career that we started out with.
0: Yes, indeed. So you have so many talents or capabilities. Did they all occur to you? at the same time, or they were add-ons as you move along on your spiritual path?
1: You know, I have to tell you, I am in my 70s now, and I have spent most of this lifetime feeling completely inadequate compared to everybody else, because everybody else seemed to be able to jump in and have this logical, successful career and be okay with that and and not question all these deep things about, you know, why are we here? Why do people suffer? If there's a God, what is that about? And I have ne- never been able to just exist here and take what I'm told as truth. So that has always made me the misfit, you know, and So my self-doubt has been enormous through much of it, but what I've learned through spiritual practice is the minute I quiet my mind through meditation, I'm a many decades meditation uh, teacher and expert. The minute I quiet my mind with meditation, I can pull away from that sense of not knowing how to navigate this physical world and instead get much more in attunement with my soul going you're doing right, you're not supposed to have a normal life, you're not supposed to have an ordinary life, you agreed to this path and this life. But it's not like I ever woke up going, oh, I'm a great writer. You know, every time I write a book, it's, gee, I hope this book, you know, will speak to some people, I hope it'll work for people. And my intuition, even when I work with a client, you know, and I do it every day, for the next the night before that client, I'm calling on spirit going, please help me to do a really good job. Please channel through me as if I've never done it before. It's just this constant prayer to the divine to move Sue Frederick out of the way and pour the wisdom through me that needs to come through. If I have one talent, it is to be a channel and get out of the way. And the rest just falls into place.
0: Yeah, I think what you are describing is your ethical honesty, which you all have to have in order to survive and live on on Earth in a a decent way without um, hurting or uh, encroaching on anyone's uh, rights, freedoms, liberties, and even physical space. And this is not the case anymore. We we know what's going on. Um, So other than meditation, do you have any other practice? Uh, daily practice, which adds to your fine-tuning uh, relationship with the spirit.
1: I would call out to everyone right now to take a deep breath. And as you inhale, just be aware that you are reclaiming your connection to your essence as a divine being who's temporarily in a body costume. And just reclaim that sense of freedom and love and happiness and joy that is your essence as a spirit being and lift out of the body, whether it's through a guided meditation, a mantra meditation, whatever, a dream vision, and trust that if you're filled with light and love, if you're feeling joy, you are being guided by the angels, guided by the guides, to recognize your potential as a divine being on earth and that's all we have to do is quit focusing on this physical world as if it is the final word as if it is the only thing we're supposed to be focusing on i would say we all need to be out of body and focused on the divine a whole lot more than we are in the body focused on this physical world
0: Yes, indeed. It's very fascinating to to tap into these uh, realms and uh, uh, practices. So a question which I ask most of my guests, especially if they are in the um, shamanism or they are empaths and it's a shamanism practice and empaths. um, Have you tried any plant medicine now that you are in Arizona? Uh, You can do a sweat lodge or anything similar. Have you tried any of that? Well,
1: yeah. The funny thing is that way back in after Paul died, the first career I was able to land in and make money from was writing about herbal medicine and plant medicine. And I wrote about natural health and I was editor of a big health magazine and then VP of content of health websites before all of that kind of crashed in the nineties. And I wrote, I interviewed all the great herbalists and got to read their books and study with them and learn the power of herbal medicine, flower essences, plant medicine, all of that. And yes, it is a huge part of my life. I had an, an herbal medicine uh, tea right before this session began. And that is my go-to medicine for any any ailment is from the plants.
0: And anything stronger, such as uh, peyote or San Pedro or ayahuasca?
1: No, I was a hippie in the six, you know, in 1970, 69 when I went off to college. And I learned very quickly that I couldn't do substances like that because of my sensitivity. I'll give you an example. It was, think of the fall of 1969, the the winter of 1970 here in America, we were marching against the Vietnam War, we were all dropping acid and doing mescaline and all these things for alternative experiences to spirituality. Um, so my friends on a Friday night, everybody would drop a tab of acid. Well, I had a friend who convinced me to do a half a tab of acid with him. And so that night we're walking out and I saw God in everything and everyone. And it, I was filled with this God, love, bliss. And I walked out into the traffic because it was so beautiful. And I was going, look at that Lowe's lights. Look at that. I, it's all so beautiful. And my friend pulled me out of the road and saved my life and said, you can't do those kinds of substances anymore. And so, you know, since then I've, I've learned how to be more grounded in my body and everything, but I'm still, ha- I am afraid to go and try them again. Microdosing, I would be willing to try where you do little micro doses of it.
0: Mm, that's interesting. Uh, see so what other programs do you run that can help my um, audience uh, You know, improve on their spiritual path other than the sessions you have uh, connecting with the loved ones from the other side.
1: I have classes on my website if they go to SueFrederick.com. I have a numerology class coming up next week on Zoom, so anyone can join it. I've got um, three video classes that they can watch that are about shifting into our divine lens rather than looking at the world through the human lens, the ego lens. So there's a whole course on that there that can sign up for. I'm speaking at the um, International Association of Near-Death Experiences conference in end of August in Washington, D.C. I'm speaking and teaching a sacred numerology workshop um, so, I'm really excited about that. I'm very involved with an incredible nonprofit here in Arizona called HelpingParentsHeal.org. They are the organization I've ever had anything to do with. They are all parents who have children in spirit. And they have a website with hundreds and thousands of videos of people like me talking to the grieving parents about a different way to connect to their child and a different way of viewing that tragic loss. And so they have big conferences and I get to be one of the speakers for them. And I love those moms more than life. So this is how people can find me. And even though I've done lots of work helping people find their purpose, their career, my heart is really fully in to helping grieving people connect to their departed loved ones and have their own conversation with them rather than having, for example, a medium tell them everything about their child. My goal is that every grieving person has that experience themselves.
0: And without putting words in your mouth, do you think or have you seen that 100% of the those talking to uh, the lost loved ones change their perspective and embrace uh, the new approach and the new mindset after the session?
1: Well, well, it may not happen right away. I mean, we are stubborn human beings here on Earth. So what I've noticed is people will still go into their deep pain and deep grief that's part of being human but now that they've had a different kind of experience when they're ready they're going to come up for air and look for that kind of sign again they're going to look for maybe another workshop that helps them learn how to connect to their child they're now going to be open and they're going to be on the searching journey to experience it more themselves I I think it's rare for someone to just instantly shift into that, but I know a person who did. And she's the founder of um, Helping Parents Heal. Her name is Elizabeth Boisson. <laughs> and she has two children in spirit. And when her son um died on Everest at the base camp of Everest, he was, I think he was 19. He was on a college trip. And he got severe mountain sickness, and they patched him through to her here in Arizona on one of those satellite phones, and he was already unconscious on Everest. And um, she said, I love you so much, Morgan, if this is your moment that you have to go. Be free and leave your body. You don't have to stay for me. We'll be fine. And she felt her son walk up behind her in here in Arizona and wrap his big bare arms around her and hug her. And she felt it so strongly that she turned around thinking he had just come home and it was spirit. And from that moment on, she said, I'm going to devote the rest of my life to helping all parents have these kinds of experiences. And she has never looked back. She's the most inspiring human being I've ever met.
0: That's beautiful. Yeah, thank you for for sharing. So we are all concerned with the status of um, Mother Earth. What's happening to her? what we are doing to her, but also the cycle she's going through every, let's say 12,000 years to throw a number, which is more and more public these days. How do you sense um, mother reacting to, to what's going on? If you had this experience, of course.
1: So, you know, we are all spirit, including the plants, including the rocks, everything here is energy on this earth. And you know, the Mother Earth image is so correct because it is a spirit. It is a, a living, eternal soul. So it's very hard for us as humans to understand that whatever's going on now in the Earth is part of what we agreed to experience for the process of waking up and learning and evolving. But I do also believe that no matter how things get here that the soul of Mother Earth is all enduring, all eternal, just like the souls of our departed children, departed loved ones. So there is a future unfolding that we can't see, we're not allowed to see it, but I believe it has something to do with all of us recognizing that everything is alive that the rock, the plant, the sky, everything is living. Everything is an energy being. And so we will learn a way as time goes on to energetically live on this planet in a whole new way. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> not in a physical way, perhaps, but we don't know how that will go.
0: <laughs> yes, we are tough and uh, we will survive. We will um go through the other side, for sure. Yes. Uh, of course, not uh, all of us, but uh, it's enough to um, to perpetuate the, the race, I assume. I agree. So we are approaching the, uh, the end of uh, the interview. Any final thoughts?
1: I just hope everybody here can remember this vision that I've had of the light always winning. So no matter what scary things happen, the more people can go into their heart and send love to the world and to everyone in the world, the more we're going to shift this together. And so it is.
0: Thank you very much. So it is. Thank you. Thank you for your thank time you. and for your uh, amazing uh, knowledge you, you shared with us. Thank and uh, to my guests, to my viewers, thank you for sharing. Watch it. Like it. Um, Get a free copy of my book when you visit my website. And until next time, love and gratitude.